Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for downloading this episode. This is the Digital Impact Preview um, episode featuring Jeremiah Oyang. He's a partner at Altimeter Group, and they specialize in web strategy and interactive marketing. He blogs at Web Strategy and has uh, more than 50,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, He's partnered actually with analyst Charlene Lee. Uh, who's the co-author of the book, The Groundswell, uh, at the Altimeter Group. This is a fairly new analyst group. And uh, I had a chance to talk to him about what he's going to address in his keynote, how all things digital fit together, um, at the Digital Impact Conference in New York City, Thursday, May 6th, um, and also Friday, May 7th, although he does speak uh, the morning of Thursday, May 6th. He is the opening keynote. But we've also got a really, uh, I think, great lineup of speakers. Not the usual suspects, not a lot of names you've heard from, but uh, some really uh, exciting people uh, in some very interesting positions. We've got Colonel Brian Salas. He's the Director of Public Affairs for the United States Marine Corps. He's going to be joined by um, uh, several others, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Greg Reeder. Uh, he's probably going to be joined by Captain uh, Kerry Batson. Um, he's probably going to be joined by uh, uh, Major uh, Christian Devine um, and possibly some others, too, possibly uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Matthew Morgan as well. Uh, and they're going to talk about how uh, the U.S. Marine Corps is Facebooking, um, using Facebook uh, for outreach, uh, both from a recruiting and from a straight communication standpoint. We're going to hear um, about uh, how things are going for Toyota um, from two folks from their social media team, uh, Scott Yeager and Doug Frisbee, are going to come out and talk to us about you know what's going on for them. Uh, that should be a very interesting presentation. We're going to hear from Gabriel Stricker, who is Director of Global Communications and Public Affairs at Google. Um, he heads uh, Search Communications, and he's probably going to tell us a little bit about how things are going in China. Uh, we're going to hear from Deborah Schultz. She is also an analyst at Altimeter, and she's going to talk about people-powered thinking, how to develop ongoing social media experiences that create connected customers. We have Deirdre Breckenridge. Um, very excited to have her come out and give a talk about how to create a social media plan. Um, we are going to hear from Jennifer Preston. She's keynoting day two, and she is the social media editor for the New York Times. Uh, very excited to hear her talk about bringing social media into the New York Times and how um, she's basically uh, engaging the editors inside of the uh, Times to use these tools and also reach out to audiences through these tools. We're going to hear from uh, Jeremiah Rawich. He's the manager of customer and ethnic communications at Southern California Edison. That's one of the biggest power utilities in the nation. And he's going to talk about uh, their experience as a regulated company developing a social media policy. They're about 20,000 people uh, strong, actually, was uh, the consultant on the initiative. That's going to be a very interesting uh, session. Interested to hear him. Um, we're going to hear from Lissandra B- uh, Brill. She's a manager of um, social media marketing at Cisco. She's going to talk about um, 
Cisco, how Cisco is using social media. So it's basically going to be the B2B social media case study. We're going to talk, we're going to hear from Andrew Lark. Um, this is the guy who was Jonathan Schwartz's communications person at uh, Sun Microsystems. He was the guy who helped Jonathan Schwartz launch his blog and is now uh, vice president of enterprise marketing and e-commerce at Dell. Um, we are going to hear from Katie Dowd. She's the director of new media at the U.S. Department of State. Really psyched to have them come out. I actually taught a course for uh, the U.S. Department of State and was able to network through my connections at the Foreign Service Institute um, to get uh, someone from state to come down and talk to us about smart power and new media, how the U.S. Department of State is using the tools of the 21st century statecraft. And uh, that should be very cool. Also, we're going to hear from Kevin Roderick, who's a former Los Angeles Times journalist, and he now is the director of the UCLA Newsroom. That's actually a newsroom I was involved in helping set up. Um, uh, we got them up and running on a service called iPressroom, which is a company I launched and then sold last year. Um, so he's going to talk, come and talk about um, news at the speed of, um, of TMZ, how to reach millennials through social media. And uh, he also blogs at L.A. Observed and is a commentator on KCRW. Um, so that should be a, a very interesting session. Um, and uh, we're also going to hear from Cami uh, Heise. We're going to hear from Peter Himmler. We're going to hear from Joseph Jaffe. We're going to hear from Scott Wheeler, um, uh, from Jason Forget. Uh, it's really, i got to tell you, the lineup of speakers, you know, yeah, there are some of the folks you've you've heard before, but... A lot of names that really have never spoken at a social media conference before. So I'm really psyched about it. I hope you can join us. Um, it, it is May 6th and 7th, 2010 in New York City. Uh, it is the Digital Impact, and it is co-chaired by myself and Elizabeth Albrecht. You can get information as well as a promo code to save 100 bucks uh, on the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Um, if for some reason you have problems with the uh, promo code, tweet me at Eric Schwartzman, and I'll make sure I get you what you need. So now um, we are going to play for you the interview with Jeremiah Oyang um, in its entirety. Um, so please uh, stick around. I hope you enjoy it. My guest today is Jeremiah Oyang. He's a partner at Altimeter Group. Um, he specializes in web strategy, interactive marketing, and social technologies. Uh, he has more than 60,000 followers on Twitter, and his uh, blog, Web Strategy, is a must-visit if you are in the business of social media. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for doing this. Hey, thank you for having me, Eric. Now, um, uh, you are, have agreed to be our opening keynote speaker at the Digital Impact, and I have to say I'm really excited about hearing, uh, hearing you speak. I'm very excited to, number one, meet folks and connect with people and then share with uh, the industry what I'm seeing from my research here. So the, the title of the talk is How All Things Digital Fit Together, Reducing the Barriers to Connecting. Uh, what are some of the broader trends you're seeing out there? You know, um, Eric, what we're seeing right now is that the scope of marketing and PR has grown incredibly. In fact, I just want to talk about the case study of a customer that called up the Whirlpool support line. And if any of you are in PR, you already know this one, but let's just go through it again. And this customer, she called up and said, my washer dryer doesn't work and I spent over $1,000 on it. Can you help me? The person on the support, the 1-800 number, that's probably not in marketing or has marketing background, said, no, I can't help you. And she said, 
I'm on Twitter. Does that matter? Does that help? And, um, of course, I'm summarizing. And, and the support person said, no, it doesn't. Well, what if I have over a million Twitter followers? Does that matter? The support person says, no, it doesn't. So Heather Armstrong, a.k.a. Deuce, tweeted out to boycott um, their products and then did a lengthy blog post and caused quite the uh, tremor within the social sphere. Now, all of this happened on the preview of in the support organization. And it just goes to show that what happens in support can quickly become a marketing or PR or cor- corporate communications issue. The story here, Eric, is that customers don't care which department you're in. They just want their problem fixed. The scope of marketing has grown significantly. It's interesting because, you know, Whirlpool was a first mover on podcasts, and they actually had a great podcast uh, called the American Family Podcast where they basically dealt with controversial issues facing the head of the household. But I guess that consciousness didn't pervade the marketing department over to customer service. Companies are siloed, and it's very difficult to think holistically about the overall customer experience. Um, you know, it's like serve, it's many trying to serve one customer, and it's just not part of the ethos that companies have. And it's a great theme that we're going to tackle at the conference. Now, I know um, your partner, um, Charlene Lee, has a book coming out about open leadership. Yes. Is that kind of the theme of that book? Um, it definitely discusses those types of topics, and her theme is how do leaders let go of control in order to gain more power back. And that is a theme that we're seeing in organizations in general, letting go to customers, uh, letting go to their employees in order to gain more, because the power has shifted to those that are participating using these and mobile technologies and whatever comes next. You know, it's funny, after I heard about the uh, the book on open leadership on the way back from South by Southwest, I was at the newsstand and I saw the current issue of the Harvard Business Review and the cover was Leadership in the Age of Transparency. And this whole story about um, externalities of business and how, um, you know, as a result of transparency, uh, the impact of your business on everything from ecology to society to culture is now something that, you know, companies have to grapple with. It's not something that they can say, well, we had no impact on it because everything basically comes back to them. There's no real secrets. They're appearing online. And you take a look at websites like Glassdoor.com where employees can rate and rank their former employers or their current CEO. That's happening. And then we just saw another website appear. I have beta, I have beta access to Unvarnished, which allows you to rate your colleagues and their level of work and what you really think about them in, a, in an anonymous way using a hidden Facebook login. So there's no more secrets. So when you look at this new environment, what's the role of policy, of social media policy? How important is that? It's key. There's actually three different types of policies that we want to make sure that brands are aware of. Uh, And policies are great because they set up guardrails so uh, people know where's too far and what's acceptable. And one of the policies are a corporate policy when it comes to um, how they're going to deal with the social web and, and particular crises. The second type of policy is an employee disclosure policy. What can they say? What can they not say? What are best practices? And the third one, and I can guarantee you most companies don't have this in place and they're leaving themselves at risk like Nestle did, is having a community policy, which actually dictates how should community members behave? What are the, the, the do's and don'ts? And uh, what are the uh, behaviors that are acceptable and are not? Had Nestle had that third one, they might have had some grounds to defend their logo on their own Facebook page.
Who do you think is doing it well right now? When it comes to what? When it comes to policy. Policy? Okay, so some of the policies that I've seen on thriving communities are like Dogster, um, where the dog owners are communicating with each other, and sometimes they even get into heated topics. Um, most of the tech companies like Intel, Microsoft's, uh, formerly Sun, have all had these policies in place for some time because they're early adopters. I think they're doing it quite well. You know, it's interesting because they sort of have an advantage. Most of the people at those companies probably have a college education. Some maybe maybe even have an advanced degree. But it seems like when you get to, uh, um, when you put together a policy for an organization that maybe has people who didn't finish high school or you know have a fifth or sixth grade reading level, it becomes a little bit more challenging. It can, but that's where education comes into place and having processes. Take a look at Best Buy with 12 Force. They have um, empowered thousands and thousands of blue shirt employees, associates you see in the retail stores. And many of them, I will venture to say, do not have college educations. Um, and they're doing it right on 12 Force. They set up some guidelines on how to do it, and they've educated folks. So it's can- Jeremiah, when you're out there um, consulting, uh, are there any sort of common pockets of resistance that you encounter in the enterprise? Yes, always legal has questions, but so the, the smart strategist would have engaged them early on. Two, there's often turf battles between corporate marketing and the social team because they're not always alignment in their views of how things should be done. And typically product managers want to approach things differently than the strategy team because they want to build their online resources and communities based around a product rather than around a lifestyle or around a brand. There's three ways you can pull it. So I often am called in to mediate those types of uh, discussions. Well, what do you do if you've got uh, an HR department that's concerned about the um, uh, the about being overwhelmed by policing a policy? Well, I mean, you can turn over policing and the approval and verification to the employees themselves. Have a online community internally that allows them to call out when people are doing things wrong and doing things right. You can crowdsource that even internally. Did you follow the um, news uh, in February about the DOD's release of a policy, a social media policy, and did you have you had a chance to see it? I re- sort of recall that they did lighten up, and they're really encouraging it. Is, is that the one you're talking about? It's, it's a fairly short policy. It's really more of an edict than a policy. And uh, really what it does is um, restricts command from blocking access on the non-classified network in DOD. It doesn't really go beyond that. It's sort of a first shot across the bow, I guess, to um, sort of have a thawing effect inside the department. And I wonder, you know, if you were at a big place like that where there are a lot of competing agendas and entrenched players, uh, you know, do you think it makes sense to maybe, you know, go after policy in steps? You know, first get them to stop blocking. Then once they stop blocking, uh, start providing guidelines. You know, do it sort of in a drawn-out fashion. There's probably a lot of stuff going on that we have no idea uh, how much discussion is happening internally and looks like step-by-step is the way to go when you have an organization that big. You have to remember that this is a total cultural change of letting go 
and the way that the power has shifted has been it's challenging for companies culturally. So naturally, there are groups that are losing power within any of these corporations or uh, government entities, and they're going to be resistful until they see an upside for them. Some people say resistance is futile. Do you agree? I mean, do you think there are some organizations that could resist social media effectively? I don't know if the resisting is the right word, but limiting or being uh, cautious um, is very common. And I'm not in the camp where, where you, with the social media zealots where you should jump on. So I would take, approach this as from an analyst mindset. You should approach this when you have the right resources and strategy and plans in place to reduce risk. Um, even companies that are just throwing on Twitter chicklets on their corporate page where it says follow us on Twitter, they may actually be hurting themselves. They may not even be realizing that they're sending traffic away they spent millions trying to acqu- acquire to pad the, uh, the, the lighting of Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. So most companies haven't thought through all the ramifications, what it means to be in social, and I encourage them to have a pragmatic approach. How might they be sending people away? How might they be losing audience by, by you know, just throwing up a checklist? You, you see these companies uh, that have advertisements on um, TV commercials, and they're sending people to Facebook.com slash brand without even giving any real consideration of where the transaction might be happening. So if, if you're making money through e-commerce on your corporate site, um, why would you be so quick to send traffic, whether it from be a chiclet or a Facebook adver- advertisement, away from your site? Uh, most companies say, because I want to, to have trust or word of mouth, but they haven't thought it through carefully on the actual ramifications of what that means. So. But, Jeremiah, you wrote last year in a blog post, I remember you were talking about the phases of, of social media. I don't remember the exact language. But you had said that um, you know, the destination website is becoming less important, and ultimately it's about um, you know, where the, you know, wherever the engagement may, may occur. Are, right. I mean, do you still believe that, or have you changed your mind on that? That's absolutely still correct. It's about um, going where your customers are. But if you are going to your customers where they are in Facebook, um, that means that your corporate experience should also extend there. So you're extending the brand experience there as well. So it's not that you just go there and don't do anything. You have to have a balance between both. Now, if customers are visiting your corporate website, chances are they're a little further down the marketing funnel. So why would you be so quick to send them away? Now, I'm glad you asked that question because the real strategy isn't uh, maybe just sending them away, but integrating that social experience right on the corporate web page. So their Facebook friends are already there on the corporate web page, and you can have deeper engagement on the corporate side by tying in the social features in an aggregated method. Um, and maybe I'll show some of those in frameworks on the speech, um, how companies should do that. I have a matrix that lays out that roadmap. So you're thinking like Facebook Connect and, and this new At Anywhere platform framework? Yeah, that's part of it. Um, in the end, destinations aren't going to matter as much. T- pages will be rendered dynamically based upon your needs. So URLs in the long run won't matter as much. It's going to be based around people and trust. So, um, yes, we're going through a transition period in the web in the next few years where content will just assemble if it's needed. Jeremy, my final question uh, you know, I consider you to be such an influencer in this category. I'm curious to know, who are your influencers? Me, there's a couple of people that I really look up to. Um, Steve Rubell, Charlene Lee, David Armano, um, Jen McClure. Sorry about my phone ringing here. I'm at, the, uh, at our office. Um, Marshall Kirkpatrick at Read Write Web. Ben Parr at Mashable. These are some of the, the folks. Uh, Louis Gray. 
These are folks that are what I call thought leaders, that they're putting out new thoughts, not just rehashing what's being said elsewhere. So those are some of the people that I would follow. Awesome. Well, hey, we're really looking forward to hearing uh, what you have to say, uh, kicking things off at the Digital Impact, which will be in New York City. Uh, That's going to be May 6th and 7th, and uh, you can get more information about that at prsa.org. We'll have a link in the show notes uh, to the page where you can register, as well as a link uh, to Web Strategy and a place where you can follow uh, Jeremiah Oyang on Twitter. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks for having me today. So am I. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.